Technology has never been more vital to the success of people and organizations around the globe. And that's where you come in. Welcome to MindQuest. I am your host, Mikel Morales, and this is Mission Control Center. <laughs> Hello and welcome to Mission Control Center, your one-stop shop for IT careers and recruitment advice. This week we have the second part of the interview with Microsoft Insider Wesley Backland. Wesley sat down with us to discuss his role as a cloud solutions architect at Microsoft, some of the data issues companies are facing, and what lies ahead for the cloud industry. Make sure to check our blog at mindquest.io for a full transcript of the interview. There you will also find an article by our CEO and founder Thomas Delfort, who discusses how the pandemic is changing the IT workplace and pushing traditional permanent roles towards the freelancing model. But without further delays, let's welcome Wesley back. Hi, Wesley. Thanks again for taking the time to share your expertise and knowledge with our community. Let's talk a bit about your role as a cloud solutions architect. What part of your job do you enjoy the most? There's a couple of aspects, uh, I guess, that, that makes it interesting for, for me personally. One of the things, and that's, that's probably also a benefit of, of obviously being in, the, in a company like Microsoft who's really leading uh, leading the space in, 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 in this innovation and, and cloud stuff. It's, you're always at the forefront of technology, uh, which is something I like. I, I like new stuff, as I said before. Uh, every time I get to learn something new, I, I see that as, a, as an incredible challenge, and I really love doing those things and getting in my hands on new stuff and new technology. It's, it, that's, that's really what's, what drives me from a technological point of view, I would say. But other than that, uh, one of the benefits, I believe, of being in that, uh, what we call now the data and AI space, is that it really puts you in a position where you're not just taking, talking about technology, but you're also talking about business and, and even societal outcomes. So one of my customers is, is actually in the public sector space, in the, in the transportation, public transport space. And the fun part is there is that when whenever you do something that's innovative with them, you know that it's going to have impact on people and and yeah, really improve quality of, of the experience of uh, of uh, sometimes uh, hundreds, thousands, or millions of people, uh, which in, in a context of Belgium is big, of course, because we yeah. only are about 11 million. So. Um, but yeah, so having that impact on on, on things with with innovative solutions and, and data is is what that's I, to me that's one of the most rewarding rewarding part of parts of my job. I I truly enjoy the fact that. Knowing that you've worked on a project and uh, seeing it on the news, for example, right? because some of these things are things that are actually uh, getting on the news because it's uh, it, it's really something that's close to the heart of the company and, and the CEO of, the, of those companies. Uh, I think that's probably the most rewarding uh, for me personally. Yeah. So seeing a project succeed is fun, of course, but seeing how it's, it drives impact is, is even more fun. And how about at a more technical level? What do you enjoy doing the most? Making it all work together. That's also quite quite fun uh, because it's, uh, as I said, uh, it's, it's, it's a continuously evolving platform. New things pop up all of the time. Mm-hmm. And yeah, figuring out where those all those things fit together and how you can make things more efficient and, and cost effective uh, in, in is also often one of the, the key drivers. Um, yeah, that, that's also quite uh, quite fun. So yeah plugging all these things together and seeing the solution that's uh, that's coming out of that. Uh, so it's it's like a big puzzle. And, and that's, uh, yeah, I, I think that, Got it. 
that, that's probably one of the, the fun parts as well. So matching matching what we deliver as a technology to something that's actually uh, providing value to the to the company uh, by uh, by leveraging existing uh, building blocks and uh, and then yeah, coding is is it, it's not so much part of my job officially mm-hmm. I would say, but that's uh, still something I love to do because it's very tangible. You you yeah. You get a result when you when you code something. You you see you see a result quite uh, immediately, and that's uh, that's also definitely fun. I think. What tools do you like using the most? I would be obliged to say that Azure SQL Database uh, is my favorite tool, as I'm a, a, a SQL Server is my old love. Mm-hmm. <laughs> but that wouldn't be entirely fair, I guess, uh, especially that if you look at what we're doing today with uh, with open source. So. Yeah, there's a couple of things, so I, and so I, I'd like to uh, split it between cloud and, and open source. Mm-hmm. So, uh, so uh, containers and Kubernetes are definitely changing the way people are building software and services today. I think that's that's clear. Um, it's it's um, it, whenever I because I, I talk a lot with startups and, and and partners, and I guess pretty much all of them are today building stuff on, on uh, based on containers and mostly kubernetes as a as an orchestrator as well so it's uh, it's phenomenal to see how the impact of, of these tools has has been over the yeah relatively short amount of time i would say uh, if you look at it um, and it, and we're also seeing that as a as a big foundation of some of our services um, but also one of the things that many people forget whenever you have a service that needs to run in production uh, you need proper monitoring and alerting, and that's again, it's not the most uh, fun part, maybe, of, uh, of of building a solution, but it is one of the crucial steps and then one of the final crucial steps whenever you want to do something seriously, right? Yep. So we have our Azure Monitor, which is doing a lot of uh, amazing stuff, and and like, people should look at it more, I, I believe. But at the same time. Uh, yeah, I'm indeed also a huge fan of, of Prometheus and Grafana. And luckily, there's also combinations possible with Azure Monitor, so that makes life uh, even more interesting. But what really, yeah, what, what really amazes me in, in, in the open source world is, is indeed that, that community and the power of the community, right? So it, it's, it's incredible to see how basically the community sets the direction in, into uh, and, and a lot of even the big tech players I, I talk about Microsoft uh, the Googles the Amazons uh, you name it mm-hmm. they we are all strong forces in technology to say the least but at the same time that uh, it's the community in, in the open yep. source world that's really driving that direction and, and makes the big tech giants follow more or less instead of setting the setting the tone so that's uh, that's also quite nice to see i believe and what's ahead for a cloud there is still a strong focus on on infrastructure right so i i still see a lot of it departments who actually still can tell you uh, which server and what ip address is hosting a specific application or service right so cloud really is or at least, uh, if you if you do cloud in the in the right way, or, or how it's designed, I would say that whole thing should become a thing of the past, right? So it's it's the whole pet versus cattle philosophy, you could say. So in essence, you don't care which server, what IP address. That that should not be your problem because mm-hmm. things can change. Um, the infrastructure can scale in, scale out. Uh, 
you know, it, it can move, it can be hosted in a different data center, or it, it shouldn't matter to you, right? So I, I really I really believe that that infrastructure part is, is one of the things that we will, over time, gradually see disappearing. Um, I think the biggest promise of cloud has, has always been agility, right? So, mm-hmm. and yeah, when people start to really adopt the whole serverless concept to say it like that uh, but also devops by the way um, that's also going to be crucial because mm-hmm. uh, and, and devops i mean that very broadly I, i'm not just talking about azure devops or, or github i mean yeah. devops as a whole the entire philosophy mm-hmm. combined with serverless i think that's that's the point where we yeah we will really see the true power of cloud um so to me, yeah, that, that whole infrastructure part is, is something that I see slowly disappearing, I would say. Mm-hmm. But there's, yeah, it's, it's still there, but yeah, more and more, I think you will see services moving in, into a, uh, a place where that's completely abstracted for, uh, for, for you as a, as a customer or as a developer or uh, whatnot. So mm-hmm. I, I think that's one definitely one interesting part. Uh, secondly, at Microsoft, we also strongly believe in that uh, the whole intelligent cloud, intelligent edge. So as more and more of that compute power is shifting to clouds, we also at the same time see a bit of a, a contradicting movement, of course, which is the edge. Mm-hmm. Uh, a lot of, yes, yeah, certainly in, in, in IoT type of use cases. Um, so bringing some of that compute power or at least the way it works on, on edge devices uh, and, and doing that compute close to where the data is living is, is definitely also an area where there's a lot of, uh, a lot of innovation happening nowadays. Mm-hmm. And the, the big challenge there is obviously making that work seamlessly together. Um, mm-hmm. I think we're making good progress there. Um, there's also some new announcements we recently did, like Azure Percept, uh, for example, which is a, a full platform that brings AI to the edge uh, in, in a secure way, uh, but definitely an area where um, I, I think there's still going to be a lot of uh, innovation in, in that whole edge working together with the clouds. And then thirdly is, is, is probably that abstraction of where uh, things are running. Uh, if you look at uh, solutions like Azure Arc, uh, where... Uh, again, basically, Kubernetes is having a big impact on on that whole story. But being able to host your solutions, uh, be it in in the public cloud, be it um, in in your own clouds, uh, or be it even in third party clouds uh, or other clouds, and and having that seamlessly work together mm-hmm. uh, from an operational point of view and, and management point of view, um, yeah, that's that's also definitely a part where there's a a lot of focus now and, and a lot of innovation happening in, in the clouds. Finally, and as a data expert, what's the biggest issue you're seeing with data these days? I think we all know the challenges from a more technical point of view, I would say. So things like data quality, the whole governance, etc., cetera, etc. Cetera. Uh, so I, to me, definitely things that we can, we can, between quotes at least, easily solve with technology. Mm-hmm. But one of the Bigger challenges that I'm seeing at, at a lot of customers is really getting those uh, customers to, to become more data-driven. Uh, and it might sound like a marketing term, but it's, mm-hmm. it's really not. So I, I, I really believe that most companies are aware that there's a lot of value in the data that they that they have and, 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 and applying machine learning and or even just 
good reporting on top of it is, is, is also sometimes still a challenge. But getting that mindset in, into thinking really like, okay, what is the difference I can make with this data? And, and even more importantly, do I have a proper environment and organization in place to really benefit from it? That's where yeah. I still see a lot of companies struggle. So I, if I was a C-level person, that, that's really the question I would ask myself. Like, are we organized to benefit from all the data and, and what it can bring to our company? And technology definitely has a, has a place to, uh, to, to enable this. But that's something that we can fix a lot easier than, than changing the mindset and, and also how organizations are sometimes um, structured in, in order yep. to really benefit from that, uh, that data and, and all the innovation that's happening in machine learning and AI. So, yeah, still a long way to go, uh, although some companies are ahead of the curve there as well, of course. Uh, but that's, that's, to me, the number one challenge is yeah, becoming data-driven is, is more than just saying that you're data-driven, it, it, it also means having a, uh, a proper organization and structure in place, uh, of course, together with technology and tools to make it happen. Mm-hmm. But that's, I, to me, that's the real challenge that, that we are still facing with, uh, in, in a lot of cases. Thank you, Wesley. And now, let's see what happened in technology this week. You know what they say, if you can beat them, join them, and then kick them out. At least, that's sort of what the FBI is up to. Following the recent Microsoft Exchange hacking campaign that exploited vulnerabilities in the popular email server, the US Department of Justice has decided to take a more proactive approach rather than its usual legal prosecution model. In what is a rare move by a state actor, the FBI has launched a benevolent or so-called white hat hacking campaign to infiltrate vulnerable machines within American companies, remove malware, and close backdoors forever. The campaign, which targets servers who have not yet been patched with the latest updates from Microsoft, is a good example of how effective combined public and private efforts can be in addressing today's widespread security issues. However, affected users will still have to update their software after the malware's removal. The FBI is now working to notify the owners of all intervening computers. Ironically, the biggest barriers to space exploration and colonization have traditionally concerned rather earthly matters. National pride, strategic defense, the scientific arms race. It is for that reason that, albeit collaborating with each other once in a while, the various space agencies tend to be jealous of sharing anything resembling proprietary tech. Well, not anymore. NASA's next lunar rover, which is set to be exploring the surface of the moon by 2023, will be leveraging open-source software to search for water ice with which to make rocket fuel. In a first for space robots, the Viper rover will combine highly customized hardware parts with a central software that everyone can use, alter, and distribute. Hopefully the start of a new way to look at the stars. And finally, after leading the world's regulatory push for more data privacy with GDPR and other related initiatives, the European Union is now after AI. A recently leaked regulation, which is to be proposed next week and will become law in the coming years, bans the use of facial recognition for surveillance, along with tools that manipulate human behavior in a series of rules that regulate what are deemed high-risk applications. These include AI systems for social scoring, recruitment algorithms, or tools used for credit evaluations and crime prediction, but exclude the military and public security applications of artificial intelligence. Companies who plan to use AI solutions might have to pass a private audit, although data policy experts already warn that the rules are vague and favor loopholes. 
Ensuring that the EU remains competitive in the field of AI will also be a key challenge for this regulation. And that's all for this week. Make sure you're following us on social media. We're on LinkedIn at MindQuest Talent and on Twitter at MindQuesting. Thank you for listening and until next time. Thank <laughs> you.